The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. P Nate, Elder P, Wetsy, Garage Mahal, living the dream. You are back from vacation. I was just about to pull up on my phone to see when the last time we recorded and released was, but I didn't want to get depressed. We had been doing so well. So let's just pretend we didn't even take a break. We had to take a break though, because I was not around. Well, so you had no choice. Yes, that's true. So Chris got his first vacation in like three three years, definitely since you got hired at the church, but that's true. We were just talking about this. I feel like all of your vacations in the last several years, even when you weren't at the church, you just got sick. You're healthier now than you were years ago, but for years it was like your vacation time was just sick time. I had a good streak of three years of like, I booked time off and then one year I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. And then two (laughs) years in a row I had COVID. So I got nailed with COVID and like, I'm unhealthy at the best of times. So like, it actually hit me pretty hard both times. So it's just like, it was actually nice this time to be healthy and not working. Let me ask you a quick question though about your uh, stint with COVID. (laughs) Was having COVID and struggling with it worth still going to church for throughout the entire pandemic? Of course. Yeah, just just throwing that out there for just in case there's anybody whose minds were not made up. I don't know. I, and I even, I gave it, I even shared the COVID with everybody else. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Free <laughs> antibodies at Crossroads that time, at that there, point. There is a guy, I don't know if you noticed this. I won't say his name just because he doesn't want to be outed for this. But there is a guy who every single time I start to get sick, he comes up and he's like, give me a big hug. Because now my body will fight it off when it's strong. And he's like, <laughs> I'll be fine. He's like, he calls me the antibody guy. And so he comes <laughs> up and gives me hugs all the time. That's awesome. Um, which is fun. That is fun. Actually, we were just going to kind of catch up on air, which is uh, always good admin. But honestly, Chris literally just got back from vacation today, today. and we hadn't recorded for a couple of weeks because I was I was trying to, even though none of you honored his vacation, and then I was trying to honor his vacation. So he's back today. So we had to record so, so that we can get something out. So I actually, I think this episode will actually come out tomorrow. So you guys will, uh, there'll be a quick turnaround here, but we just wanted to kind of catch up on air and talk about because you were on vacation. We were just talking and I was asking you how it went. And then I'm like, why don't we just talk about that today? Because that's about as much planning as we ever do. (laughs) So so what we were talking about, though, is like I said, how was your vacation? You're kind of like, it was okay. You guys were going to go somewhere. You guys got got a new puppy. Couldn't all that kind of stuff. The uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about whiskey on like not like not whiskey. You got a new dog. I got a, yeah, I got a new puppy. Yeah, named he's awesome. Whiskey. Yeah, he's awesome. A, a good friend of ours had a, a litter and gave us a puppy. He's a like um, retriever so, lab, right? He's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so super I have a cute. Dog named, now my named dog whiskey. loves or my kid loves him. Judah's yeah. like all over whiskey. Know, that's that's how he talks about these days. Um, yeah. So I got a new puppy. So so you um, didn't go away like you were going to because you stayed home to house train the dog, but. 
in not going away, you're kind of like, if you're just puttering around the house, I'd rather be working. 100%. It just got us talking about like essentially how men are made for work. Like this is part of how God designed us. And like, it's interesting. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think that there's anything sinful or wrong about vacation. You need time of rest. That's what the whole Sabbath rest is for. And our, our work week is supposed to be split six days of work and one day of rest. I get all that. But I would just say like, I don't think we're meant for extended periods of time without work. I just don't think it's healthy for us. I would actually take it even farther. I actually think it's dangerous for us. All so, right, go for it. Yeah, so like think back to in Israel's history, David, when he sinned with Bathsheba and he did all these things. Now, thankfully, none of that happened for me. I didn't murder anybody. <laughs> and I didn't, uh, but I mean like- Good, cl- but, good but clarification. The, but the problem there was that there, like- There's nobody David, bathing it, during the menstrual <laughs> cycle up on the, on the, mean, on the roof of not the that house I saw, next door. Not yeah. that I saw. Okay. But the premise there is that David's armies were at war yeah. and, they, and they were going to battle and he wasn't with them. Yeah, he wasn't at war. Exactly. He should have been because he's the king, right? So how I would say that applies to men is that we aren't wired to sit around and do nothing. We do need rest and we do need to recoup. But once that's done, we should be getting back to work. So that's why I'd say it's actually a dangerous thing for us to have extended periods of time of just idleness. And now there are a lot of men who they take their vacation, they work on their house and all that stuff. That's not what I was doing over these two weeks. I would say... It could be dangerous. This time was, obviously, I didn't get Uriah murdered or anything like that. But I mean, <laughs> idleness can be a dangerous thing to a man. So work actually is a blessing to us, even on this side of the fall, because it keeps us from getting ourselves into trouble. Yeah, I think that idleness is one of those things that gets a lot of men into trouble. What we're not saying is that you can't take rest, as you said. Oftentimes when a pastor takes extended period of time off, it's, it's called a sabbatical, right? Or, or a, a like writing sabbatical or a study sabbatical or whatever like that. I think all men should think of their vacation like that, right? So obviously, you know, if you have a family, vacation ought to be a time when you are very focused on family discipleship, family fun, all that kind of stuff. But I would just say anybody should be thinking about their time off as if it is rest, not just recreation, not just idleness, if you have a couple of weeks off, you shouldn't just be like vegging out at home. What you should be doing is, is what can you do that will help you in your rest? And what I mean by that is not just recuperation physically. What I mean by that is the greatest form of rest comes from time with God. So like, what is it men ought to be taking good Christian books on vacation with them? They ought to be, you know, redeveloping habits that maybe got lost during a busy work season in terms of devotion life and prayer life and that sort of thing. So I just think that vacation can be a very dangerous thing. And I think that some men who live for vacation, right? I think have got things backwards, right? If you can't find satisfaction and fulfillment in your job, in your vocation, in what pays the bills, I think you're doing something wrong. And I can already hear that there are going to be some listeners, they're in a a medial job that they don't like. They are a baker or a candlestick maker or whatever, you know, as the rhyme goes, and they don't find any fulfillment in that. And what I would just say is then if that's the case, you have a wrong view of work because your primary calling is not to be a candlestick maker, is not to be a baker, is not to be a painter, is not to be a plumber, like whatever your actual thing is your job is to be on mission. And that's a mission field that God has given to you. You are faithful in that mission field, both evangelically, 
in terms of how you share your faith, but also in the role model you are, like as a diligent worker, as a guy who is prompt, as a guy who can be depended upon, as a guy who doesn't steal time from his employer, all those kinds of things. So I think that there's a whole lot more that goes into it. And I think that sometimes the whole idea of burnout, just to get you triggered, <laughs> the whole idea of burnout sometimes comes because people have an improper view of what their actual calling is. Yeah. If you didn't catch that, I don't believe in burnout. I don't think it's a thing. I think there is a time where people need an extended period of rest. Right. But like, I would put that down to like sabbatical. You need time away. Like, I want to make but sure. That's, but that's rest for a purpose. Yes. To a purpose, to it, an end. Exactly. It's not like burnt out means like it's over. It's like I'm done with this thing. I can't go back to yeah. it. Whereas I think of like sabbatical is a time of recharge to come back to the fight, so to speak. Right. Like, yeah. feel free to take one of those at some point <laughs> in your life. Not this year or for the super, At the for tail super. end of your vacation, that would be a disaster <laughs> yeah, terrible, for you yeah. mostly. Mostly for me. But yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think we flip the paradigm in an unhelpful way when we are always looking forward to the next two weeks that we're off. Yeah. When what really should happen is what I experienced, and I, I get it, I'm actually very blessed because I actually have the job that I want. I recognize that everybody who's listening to this podcast doesn't have that. You should be coming into your vocation with the idea of like, yeah, it's great to be away for a, a bit, but like, I kind of want to get back to doing what God's called me to do. You know right. what I mean? So, so there's a couple of challenges there because not everybody is in that situation. So you might have to investigate, should I try to get myself into that situation? And that's not a bad thing to switch jobs. Like feel yeah. free. It could also be like what you're saying though. It's, it's, it doesn't matter what job you're in because you actually just don't like work. So, yeah. and I think people need to do that. And an easy way to kind of test yourself in that area is like, do you dread tomorrow? Like, is Sunday in a terrible time of the week for you or are you looking forward to it? Like, I get to the office at like seven something. And most, most mornings, I'm very excited to be there. I know <laughs> you guys can't see, but Wet Lover was like seven o'clock in the morning. That's a thing. <laughs> but yeah. it's, very, it's very exciting to get there because we love what we do. Right? It's a good thing, which is why it's hard to answer the question like, did you love your vacation? I'm like, well, yeah, I did. I loved being home with Heather. I loved, we got to do some day trips. We got to do lots of stuff. We had a young puppy. It was a blessing to not have to like go to work every single day when we're, when we're house training and things like that. This just kind of happened, but. And you spent a um, zillion dollars on reform books. I did do that. I did do that. <laughs> I did spend a quite a good job. So donations are accepted. Yeah, that's right. Um, Chris, Ab <laughs> I will read the book if you send it to me. It's one of those things after a few days, you start to think about like, oh, I, I would like to get back in the swing of the battle. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's good to recharge, but now we're recharged. So here we go. So since we planned absolutely nothing about this episode, let's talk, let's talk in a couple. So you mentioned something. If somebody is listening, let's go through the first person right now. So I want to go through a couple and I'll just name them so I don't forget. Let's talk first of all to that person who's just living for the weekend, who's just living for the next time he's off. And even the, that quote unquote time off is veg time. It's, it's video game time. It's, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's drinking on a patio with his buddy's time, whatever. So let's talk to, about that person who like grinds so that he can play. And then let's talk maybe to the person who's grinding away at a job that they don't feel fulfilled in. And you said, like, maybe you should switch vocations. Like, maybe you should do something that you feel more fulfilled in. So let's talk to that person afterwards. And then let's talk to the person who's maybe end of life, like, looking at or is retired. Okay, so those are the three places we'll go through. Okay. So first of all, let's talk to that person who, so the like— weekend warrior. Yeah, the weekend warrior, the guy who who lives for the weekend. So this this comes in a few different ways. And obviously, these aren't all made equal, right? But there's that guy who grinds away at his job all week, works hard, 
and puts the work in, right? Good blue collar worker. But then the weekend is, you know, party with the buddies, you know, weekend softball tournaments, drinking on patios with friends, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's not the same thing as just the guy who like is just vegging or playing video games and stuff. Obviously, there's different excesses and different things there. But let's talk to that guy who just lives for recreation time. His mission in life is getting to recreation time. Talk to that guy first. And that can, sorry, I'm cutting you off already. (laughs) This is what happens when you don't plan anything. So that can come in a few different forms, right? It can be that weekend warrior guy who's just living for the weekends, living for recreation time. But it could also be that like that corporate guy who works really hard, but lives for those two weeks when he takes the family to Hawaii or when he goes to whatever. But there's still that sort of delayed gratification. I'm just waiting for playtime. Same sort of heart condition, same sort of thing. Let's talk to that guy first. First and foremost, the biggest problem there is that they're twisting what God's actually called men to do, right? Okay. So in the garden, when it was very good, Adam was tasked with work to do. Yeah. The fall made work not disappear or come into existence. It made work toilsome. That's right. Now the tasks that are laid before us do feel sometimes like a chore. When it was very good, we still worked just as hard. We just didn't feel the toil of that. Um, and so, well, like, And I think the yield was better, right? So it's like, it's sort of absolutely. like... Because you rebelled against God, the land which God has given to you to rule over was now going to rebel against you. It's not going to yield to you as easily. Yeah, everything's so a fight now. Everything's like, a fight, right? It, thorns and thistles are going to come up sometimes instead of produce and whatever, grain. Exactly, right? So I would say like there's a fundamental problem with the weekend warrior type guy. Even the evening warrior, the guy who's like nine o'clock in the morning is like, when does five o'clock come? Yeah, yeah. And it's like because they're they're not actually wanting to be where they are. And I think that's just fundamentally they've incorrectly flip the switch of what work is supposed to be because we're, we are taught very young, like this isn't a good thing. Have you ever sat in a class? Exactly. Like work sucks. And we're just like, no, no, we're actually called to do it more than we're actually doing it. We get two days off, three days off, whatever your works. That's not a biblical principle. Work six days, take one off is the principle. Right. And so I would say like, first and foremost, they have to challenge their thinking about what work is. And then you alluded to it earlier, what the purpose of them being in their work is God has made no mistakes. And so I'll I'll say this for all three categories, whatever vocation you're in, wherever you're working right now is exactly where you were ordained to be right at the second. You're not accidentally falling into a place. Now you may have made poor choices along the way that got you there, but you're exactly where you're supposed to be at this moment. Now we'll talk about the other guy. Like doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. That means when you're a man who's just thinking about Saturday afternoons with my buddies, Friday nights with my friends or playing video games or whatever thing you want to do. And all those things in their own place, I actually don't have a problem with. I see friends and I play video games every once in a while, not very much anymore, usually with your son. But (laughs) those things aren't in themselves bad. It's when we're prioritizing those over what we're doing at three o'clock in the afternoon. We're only thinking about what's what's happening. It's because we're thinking internally rather than externally about our work, right? Right. We are called to be good stewards. We're called to be good examples of Christ. And one of the things that I think people just miss all the time in scripture is just literally how hard Christ worked. You couldn't even get a meal in because you'd be getting interrupted. And it's like- Very interruptible, very approachable, like always, yeah. Yeah, he, he put his hands to the plow and put his feet to the work of the ministry and did the job in whatever vocation he was doing. Now, we don't have a lot of examples of his life prior to him going into ministry, but one can assume he was a, probably a pretty hard worker where he was a carpenter and all that stuff, right? Like, And then Paul later says, 
don't quote me exactly where, but he says like to approve himself and his apostle, I had to work harder than all of you. Yeah. The implication there is like, we know Paul for a long time worked doing tents and then ministry in the evenings. And it was like, right there is the, is the lesson I think men need to hear is that oftentimes what we're doing with our hands, it's okay that that funds or it is what we do to enable us to do something greater, um, which will hit on the second group, the guy who's faithfully serving yep. so that he can take care of his family. That's a good and holy thing to do. But the idea is there is like, it's all connected. So you're not hating nine o'clock in the morning because you know that what you're doing at nine o'clock in the morning is going to help what you're doing at seven o'clock in the evening. And that could be you're putting food on the table for your kids and right. your role as a father pr- precedes that. But it isn't so we don't work just so that I can go and turn all those resources and all that stuff internally on me so I can just booze up my life in the evenings or whatever. Cause it's like, then what you're doing is all focused inward rather than outward. And I would say in scripture, there's never a time where everything, our gaze should be fixed in inward. We should always be looking at towards the cross of Christ and using the blessings that God's given us to bless others. That yeah. A lot I, of words. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. So I think I hear you saying, and this will apply, like you said, to the second group as well, is um, understanding the telos, the purpose of work, right, is important in all of this. And understanding kind of goes back to something that uh, Doug Wilson said when he was on the podcast a while back now, where he said, like, if you ask anybody on the submarine what they're doing, whether they're, you know, mopping the floor or cooking a meal in the mess hall or navigating or manning the torpedoes, they're fighting a war, right? The job that they're doing is less important than the overall telos that they're all involved in in this warfare. So I think there is part of that there. You also said something that I wanted to circle back to that I think is really important in terms of just understanding work, and that is living in the moment. And I know that's that's a really like cliche thing to say, so let me tell you what I mean by that. And Colleen and I, my wife and I, we do this with each other quite often. Colleen is a stay-at-home mom. She's educating the kids at home. So as a homeschooling mom, there'll be plenty of times when she's down there and she's just explaining like multiplication to one of our kids or something like that. And they're trying to grasp the concept or whatever the case is. It's easy to start looking at the clock. When's lunch? You know, when's Nate home to help? When's this? When's that? It's easy for all of us, no matter what your job is, right? There's going to be times when you're glancing at the clock wondering when it's time to be done. There were times in the little years, we had three kids in three and a half years. And so there was a a lot of difficulty when they were all young, all in diapers, all, you know, napping at different times and everything. And like, there are times when we used to jokingly call 7.30 was wine o'clock, right? Because it was like, all the kids are down. They should be sleeping by 7.30 and then, you know, crack a, a, a bottle of wine or whatever. That mentality, I think one of the things that we started doing with one another is just saying, there's nowhere more important to be than right here, right now. So that moment when, you know, yes, your kid need, you know, should be in bed, but they're getting out of bed and you're thinking to yourself, it's 7.30, I just want my own time, right? Sometimes, you know, because they're scared because they watch something, sometimes those conversations that you're then present for when you, instead of yelling at your kid to get back to bed, you go in and talk them through that they're scared because they watch this thing or whatever. Sometimes when you're present, so again, at the office, let's say you're you're working on, on your computer, you're doing data entry, some, some menial job or whatever, and you just keep glancing up, you're waiting for five o'clock, waiting for five o'clock. You don't know, you're not as present, you're not as aware of inter-office dynamics of, of who's in the cubicle next to you and what's going on 
in the person's cubicle next to you. Maybe you have a job where you're in construction, you're working with your hands, but you don't, your mind doesn't always have to be engaged. What else can you be doing? Are there people who are working beside you? Can you be having meaningful conversation? Can you have scripture in your ears? Can you be listening to good rebel podcasts in your ears? You know, whatever the case nice is. Plug. Nice yeah. plug. My point is, is like, how can you be fully engaged in the moment that God has given to you, right? We're, we're not called to think. And this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter six, right? When he's talking about, don't worry about tomorrow. You could substitute Jesus' words and say, don't worry about five o'clock. Five o'clock is going to come, right? Six o'clock is going to come. Whatever day, like your vacation day, that's going to come. But be present where you are because today has enough trouble of its own. And God has given you both grace and sorrow for today that you are to faithfully walk through. And then you can't do that if you're constantly looking at the clock, waiting for the next thing to come. Be present in the moment so that you can be faithful with the moment that God's given to you. Yeah. Two things about that. One, it's a little shameful, so I'm going to confess on air that when you were talking about be present in the moment, it actually was Yoda that I thought of, not like, because <laughs> he's like, because he's talking about like, remember in, in uh, is it in, it's in Return of the Jedi or he, he says to like, he's like, never right now is he, he's always like looking to the future. Oh, and it's that's like, right. And looking it's like, to the future. Like, he's he like, never in the moment is this one. Yeah. And I was just like, it's weird that my mind went to, to there before. Star Wars instead of scripture. Repent. Sorry about that. The second thing I would say is like, there's also a huge danger to being the person who's always looking for something coming down the yeah. road. There's like one, none of us are time travelers. You're going to live through that hour. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you look and be like, oh, I can't wait till seven o'clock. You're still going to go through three and four and five before yeah, you like 100%. all it's actually going to do is slow it down because right. that's the way our minds work. Yeah. And then two, I would also say like that also makes you a slave to circumstances of what could happen in those evenings. So yes, for instance, exactly. like if I'm living like, Oh, I can't wait to have a great night. I'm going to go watch like I'm, I'll use tonight. For example, tonight, the bills play their first Monday night, first game of the season. My intention is to watch it about two hours delayed. Cause like, I'm going to finish some stuff that I have to do. And then, I'm you gonna, know, Jared is going to text you the first touchdown that happens and you'll be like, dude, I'm not watching it. Yeah, probably. I'm going to airplane. <laughs> mode. That's a good reminder to airplane. mode. Air, airplane mode. I intend to watch the game, but like what happens if my internet goes out? If my entire day is mm. built around the fact yeah. that that's my enjoyment tonight, that's the, that's what I'm living for tonight, this event that's going to happen, Buffalo can lose. That's a very likely possibility, and that could ruin it. Like, it's just you're tying to circumstances you actually can't control. It's like the example you use, like you and Colleen wanted to have a nice, quiet night, having a bottle of wine. Well, what happens if the kid does have a nightmare? If, right. if your whole enjoyment is tied to the thing— not the life God's given you, then you're a slave to the circumstances that yeah. you can't control. It's actually a recipe for a very discontent person, yeah. right? Like the Apostle Paul said in, uh, I think it's Philippians, when he says, you know, no matter the circumstances, I've learned the art of being content, right? So what he, he's saying there, and it comes right on the heels of him talking about all of the difficulty that he's currently experiencing. And so a lot of times Christians, and you and I are pastors, and so we, we counsel people who come into our offices like discontent often, discontent with their spouse, discontent with their kids, discontent with their job, discontent with whatever. And one of the things that I see as a sort of pattern for people who are discontent is exactly what you're talking about, is they're always thinking ahead to the thing that's going to make them happy. If I only get this thing, if I only experience that, if I only get to the weekend, if I only get to that vacation, if I only get this promotion, if I only, you know, and they're constantly looking ahead, which is number one, it means that they actually never grasp contentment. 
right? Because this is what actually Solomon's talking about in Ecclesiastes when he, he, t- he calls this the chasing after the wind, chasing after vapor, right? The idea of like chasing vapor or trying to grasp smoke is that you can't actually hold on to it. When you grasp it, you, you just come up empty again. And that's that, the analogy there is like, so if we're constantly looking ahead to the next thing, then we never get contentment because the moment you get something, what you've done is you've trained your mind, you've trained your body, you've trained your spirit to be discontent until you get the next thing. So then even when you get that next thing, you're then immediately looking to the next. This is the exact same thing that happens to those who get caught up in drug and alcohol addiction and all that kind of stuff. Because even as they're getting their fix, they're thinking about where they get their next fix from. And the same thing can happen, whether it's discontentment with relationships, discontentment with work. When you're looking ahead to something else that's going to bring you joy and happiness and fulfillment, you'll never... And I remember I asked a guy in in our church recently, I was talking to him about this, and there was something that he was talking about that he kind of wanted for his life. And I said to him, if you're not enough and you're not content without it, you will never be content with it. Like you need to learn the art of contentment before you get that thing. Otherwise, when you get it, that will just turn to ashes in your hands as well. The other thing that tends to happen when we're looking ahead to something is that you can be looking ahead to something positive or negative. And so again, when you're training your mind to live in the future, there's danger, as we've already talked about, of that sort of like you're looking ahead to something positive and you're not content until you get it. But then there's also a training that's happening there where you're training your mind to live in the future. So then if you see down the road into the future potential problems, the other thing that you're doing is you've now opened yourself up to living in tomorrow's problems on today's grace, which is never something that God calls us to do, right? He says sufficient for each day is its own troubles, right? And God God gave them manna each and every day so that they could experience his grace, trusting that he would send grace for tomorrow's problems as well to them. So either way, whether you're looking ahead to something positive or negative, you're teaching yourself discontentment. A lot of this relates, so let's just talk about to that second person. They're discontent with their job right now. They feel as though their calling, their job is, yeah, is wasted. My talents are being wasted, you know, whatever the case is. Let's talk to that guy for a second, because I think that there's a lot of people in that boat where they they do data entry, they sell insurance, they, you know, and and, uh, we're not meaning to pick on anybody's jobs. We're just saying like some people, yeah, nobody woke up when they were in kindergarten. was like, you know what I want to do? Life insurance. Right. Like, and don't get me wrong. There's lots of really satisfied and content people who are doing that, but let's just talk to those people who are sitting there listening and they're just doing something that they feel discontent in. So let's talk to them a little bit. The first thing, as we said before, is that's not your primary purpose. Your primary purpose is not to sell life insurance or to do data entry or to whatever. Your primary purpose, again, you're a missionary. That's every single person's high calling. And some people do that in vocational ministry. Some people do that in different ways. Some people do that as accountants. Some people do that as construction workers, whatever the case is. So first of all, it's, I think it's it's that submarine analogy, understand your job is to be a soldier in the war, and this is just the station that you've been assigned. Yeah, it goes back to exactly what I was saying earlier about the first person is that there is no accidents. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. And in the second example, the second person that we've mythologically created, I don't think that's the right word, but fine. The second person we've created, they're at least trying to be faithful. They understand that they have duties. Right. And like you talked about discontentment is something that manhood has lost and like people have lost in our society. The art of contentment, yeah. The art of contentment's gone. The understanding of duty is something that broadly speaking the culture doesn't have either. Totally. Is that there are, there are times where like I'm sure there were there were men in David's army, I'm sure there were men on the submarine who would much rather be the gunner 
or the yeah. I guess on a submarine you'd be the torpedo guy, but then the guy who's swabbing the deck. But when you put your contentment into the right things that you're getting your contentment out of, I'm doing this for the mission of of the, right. of the Lord. Even if your job is selling insurance, you can still be doing that for the overall mission of the church because likely whoever you are that this person we're talking about has a family. And what, what do we say all the time? Well, a man's job is to raise his family, put food on the table, protect them. Disciples so kids. his job is not being wasted. His talents aren't being wasted because he's working diligently to do something that's even a pro- more of a primary calling to him. Also with those people is you're going through this job. The apostle Paul was a Pharisee. Yep. Very, yeah, very teacher. wise men. His talents were being wasted, if you're thinking of it that way, when he was making tents. Yeah. <laughs> and yet he diligently did that to accomplish a greater goal. And I, I would think, like, you use the term missionary. I just think, like, oftentimes just do everything that we're doing for right. the glory of God. And so, yeah, you know what? It's only been the last year that I've been in full-time ministry. Prior to that, I worked a whole bunch of jobs. That, that would be a whole episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but, like, I worked at a bank. It's hard to work at a bank for the glory of God unless you get your mind around like what I'm doing. If you're working just at a in a secular business, you don't own the business, you're just working there. One thing that helped me greatly was I just thought of myself as a Robin Hood. I'm taking the world's money and I'm bringing it into the church family. Right. And it's like, so, okay, you know, I'm they're paying me to do a task. I will diligently do the task. But that money is coming into my family to raise up a Christian household, which blesses a church family, which then serves the church. And that money comes into our... And so... Robin Hood was pretty awesome. You know what I mean, so <laughs> therefore um, I was a pretty awesome so pretty, baker. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. I was more like Friar Tuck, but <laughs> the point, there's a contentment in duty of I'm a, not me specifically, this person, a father, a husband paying the bills. There's a, there's a duty as a man of checking those boxes off when you, when you take care of them. And like, yeah, sometimes it's not always glorious the way we have to do those things, but there is a duty just to do them. And then, and there's a glory in itself of doing those, those tasks, right? Like you talked about like when you're always looking for something and when you finally get it, sometimes it turns to ash in your hand, mm-hmm. but there is kind of like a cool little, like I do checklists. And when you check something off a checklist, it's <laughs> like, there's an endorphin rush. It's like, that's amazing. <laughs> and so like, the only guy I know who gets dopamine shots. Off <laughs> checklist. Um, but like, I, all I would say is I like, and the part of that's just cause like, you have duty. You have to get certain things done. Yeah. But that also doesn't mean that you have to stay in that vocation forever just to be dutiful, you know what I mean, or to be loyal. Like, shocking, nobody on the planet has been called to be a plumber. I think people have this weird thing that God has ordained your vocation. Like, right. I want to be careful. He knows what you're gonna gonna be. Yeah, he's planned it. He's what you're written gonna be. it. But but yeah, I get what you're saying. Is it's not like a soulmate. Yeah, you're, you're stuck to it. Like, well, and well, even the idea. Like we we could do a whole episode on the the theology of the one and how unbiblical it is. <laughs> but that is the point. Like some people think like, oh, I missed my calling. That's not. There, there's no category for missed your calling, right? God's will for your life. First Thessalonians four is your sanctification, right? So it's not about what you are called to do. You're called to be sanctified. You're called to be conformed to the image of Christ. You're called to be a missionary. You're called to advance the kingdom of Christ. You're called to be a a good husband, father, wife, mother, whatever it is. But what you do in order to pay the bills and all those kinds of things, there's, there's a lot of Christian freedom in the choices that you make about with all of those other things. And there are some people who get great satisfaction from jobs that I could never get satisfaction from and vice versa. I have, I have plenty of people who tell me I would not want your job. Which is crazy to me because I, I love my job and I, I think I have the best one. But if you are discontent, 
kind of working in in what you view as a dead end job and there's no future to it and you're working for some corporation you're just a cog in the machine or whatever i would encourage you like i do think that christian men are called we should actually get our buddy uh jeremy bundy on the show and do an episode where we'll plug he, he has a business called boniface business solutions any of you guys who are coming to the conference this weekend actually you'll be able to see bundy he's uh, doing a couple sessions for us and boniface business solutions will have a table there We'll just say, if you Google Boniface Business Solutions, I think it's bonifacebusiness.com, you can go to his website and his whole thing is to kind of help Christians get businesses off the ground and or take their business idea or their small business and grow it to the glory of God. There is such thing as a sort of holy discontentment, and that is if you feel called to more, then the question is you have one of two choices, right? In order to gain contentment, if you find yourself discontent, you can do one of two things. First of all, assess your heart, right? Are you discontent because of some sinful thing, right? Looking ahead to the future, trying to pull future things in, not living in the moment to the glory of God, whatever the case is. Is that what is fueling your discontentment? Or is it that you f- truly feel like you are not doing your duty in expanding Christ's kingdom, right? And every single person in whom the Spirit of God resides, there ought to be a holy discontentment if you are not living up to your calling of actually expanding the borders of Christ's kingdom. So I would just say you could go on to bonifacebusiness.com and you can go and look at Boniface Business Solutions mm-hmm. and look at maybe starting your own business to the glory of God, maybe doing something that you find more joy and satisfaction in, something that better utilizes how God has wired you and created you. And I think that's a good thing that more Christians ought to think about because the more flexibility we have in a world that's falling apart, I think the better. The other kind of resource I would point people to is there's a great book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. It's by Jeremiah Burroughs, and it's a book that I probably reread every other year. It's a phenomenal book just about growing contentment and learning the art of contentment in whatever station God has placed you in. Because again, even if there are things that you can do in order to satisfy that good kind of discontentment that we talked about, at the end of the day, if you don't learn contentment where you are, you won't have contentment when you reach the place you want to go. Okay, so real quick, last category, retired people. What does the Bible say about retirement, Chris? says nothing about retirement. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if everybody knows this. Do you know where we even get the idea of retirement from? There's two verses in scripture that talk about the idea of retirement. So one Jacob at his old, when he was like infirm, he was in bed and it says he, he lived for about 20 years in that state. People have this idea of like, we all understand that there are people who cannot work anymore and we have to take care of them. And that's a biblical and a holy thing to do. That's not retirement, though. Like the other verse that people talk about with retirements, the Levi priests had to retire at 55 from being priests. That's the only verse in scripture that talks about retirement that I can find. I've looked. I actually think like the idea of retirement is fundamentally not biblical because we have a task that's been given to us. Now that task can change. So I want to be very careful. I'm not saying you have to stay in your vocation forever. Right. You can redeploy is the way we always often right. say it. And I think that's the key. No, don't retire, redeploy. Yeah, exactly. There is no category where men are to cease doing the thing that God called us to do, which was to work. Right. Um, now the way that applies Wetlaufer is one of my examples for this. He probably doesn't even know this. When I talk about the people about I was like, just going to say, let's embarrass like, Wetsy for a bit. <laughs> I'm going to embarrass Wetsy. It's like, Wetsy had businesses. I won't say which because I don't know if he'd want me to share it. He worked for his, They did well. He, he did, he <laughs> he's did not fine. ashamed of them. Um, he did, he's, he's happy with his business. At some point in his life, he stopped doing those, yep, those businesses. Them. What's he do now? Well, he's redeployed those gifts and he's helped 
obviously our podcast is part of what he's done. When and what greater way to spend your life than to prop up the Rebel podcast <laughs> than to listen to these two knuckleheads He must be so like, fulfilled. Uh, in like, his <laughs> like his mind just must be bursting with just so many comments about how yeah, uh, just like uh, our heads are swelling now. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. So like you know, Garage Mahal, which we still will not disclose the location of is a place that Dave used some of what what would have been money from selling businesses at quote unquote retirement in order to redeploy in order to help whether it's Christian recording artists or or Christian, you know, podcasters like us and things like that. Now we've just kind of taken over. We don't share very well. That's not his fault. That's ours. That's our sin. So, but, but that's a great point is like, we're not saying that somebody has to stay in their vocation and work themselves into the grave. What we are saying though, is that there are different stages in your life. You can't do when you're 40, what you could do when you're 20 and you can't do when you're 60, what you could do when you were 40. And that continues. But this is why I would just say like, there are a ton, there's a whole demographic of men. I think they're in our churches who um, have accumulated a vast amount of theological knowledge, practical knowledge, wisdom, and all that kind of stuff. And if you aren't passing that on to the next generation, you are not being faithful in the season of life that you're in. This is how the seasons of life go, right? Like young people are to be discipled by their fathers or the father figures in the church. As you come into adolescence, you are to put your hands to, I, I would say, physical labor. I think that every young man should get do some sort of physical labor in their late teens and early 20s. And then you are to acquire the knowledge to come into a trade. You're to apprentice under somebody that you want to, whether, whether that's a pastor or a plumber, right? You are to apprentice under somebody who, who not just their professional proficiency is something that you admire, but also their character and the, the kind of father they are and the kind of husband they are and all that kind of stuff. And you are to acquire as much knowledge and then you are to take something and you're to build something yourself and you're to build it as big and as, as broad as you possibly can so that you can build an inheritance for your children. And then as your children come into the age where you can pass things and responsibilities off for them to take it to the next stage, you're to do that and you're to decrease so that they can increase. And then you find something else to do where you continue to use your wisdom and your experience in order to pass on to the next generation. It's not unlike being a, you're a son who becomes a man, who becomes a husband, who becomes a father, who becomes a, a father of grown kids, who becomes a grandfather, who becomes a great grandfather. Like there are these various stages. And so what you have to do is you have to find the vocational work or the ministry work or the mentoring work that is appropriate for you at your stage of life, your Christian maturity and your age. I love the fact that you brought that up. I would say one of the biggest issues in the big C church is that we have a, a ton of men who have built their empire of dirt, who've done well in business, done well in a ton of things, and they're faithful in tithing, they're faithful in a lot of those things, but they're now very selfish of their time because I worked 45 years so that I could right. golf every Sunday yeah. or whatever, whatever it is. Like, and I, like, feel free to golf. Like, um, but it's like when you live for that thing now, it's like, no, no, your mission is still the mission of the church until yeah. you cease to be a member of that church because you've passed away. Till death do us part. We're the bride of Christ. We're married to the groom until you know, well, forever, but yeah. like, so, cause he never passes away, but it's not the point. But like the idea is like, we're married to this bride. Like we, we should be working for this thing. Now the particular articles of how we work for that do change over time. Like right. somehow I'm doing youth ministry again, but like, I thought I was finished <laughs> with that when I was 20. So talk to Bob, but like, like, Bob's not done either. <laughs> but, but I mean, he's called for it. I mean like the, the way men change. It's so like my good, our good friend, Barry, he's, in his 80s, he can't physically do what he could have done when he was in his 40s, but he now imparts 
far more wisdom than he imparted when he was in his fifties. Right. Absolutely. And he spends more time mentoring and, and shepherding younger men. And like, um, I'm going to paraphrase the verse, but like literally older men are to temper the zeal of the young. That's right. With their wisdom and their discernment, like when it's all working properly, we should have no shortage of volunteers in the church. We should have no shortage of things like that because the old men are taming the zeal of the young, but they're also now been blessed with the opportunity to not work a nine to five job anymore. So they're available for the mission of the church. John Piper actually says it in Don't Waste Your Life, that famous sermon. He actually like he gives two scenarios and one, one scenario is a man does excellent in his business retires at 55, builds a house with his wife, puts up a white picket fence, plays backgammon for all this time and passes away when he's 70. He's like, that's the American dream. Or there's Ruby, and I don't remember the other girl's name, who at 70 sold everything, went on a mission trip to some country, got in a car accident and died. And he's like, which one's the tragedy? Piper's thing was the tragedy is the American couple who had all the resources, who did the thing, and they're just internally focused on the fact that now they're going to live their life right. for themselves for the last 15 years. Not Ruby, who died doing God's work. And like, I'm not saying you all have to go become missionaries. My point is, is, is the idea of redeployment. You've been released. It's a blessing to retire, but you've been released now to do ministry full time, even if you're not paid for it. And this is not a shameless call for more volunteers in the church. Literally, I can't find enough work for people to do. But it is that idea of like, we all put our hands to the plow to the work of the gospel in whatever article that looks like for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think we can leave that one there. Beauty. Yeah. Yeah.